Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma eight-ish years ago, and now I've got this podcast, and my guest this week is Rafael Jose Martinez, a filmmaker, a visual artist, a writer, a musician. The freaking guy does everything. I met him through... I, I would say, uh, say friend of the pod, Whitney Wasson, former guest, and I would include him like Whitney in that the sort of if I were making collections of the show, the the DIY artist collection, where I would also add Tiffany Topol, Calvero, a bunch of comedian friends. Chris Gethard would be at like the kind of the the head of that collection, maybe. But anyway, the point is there's a lot of ethics stuff that I have a lot in common with Raphael about. And I was excited to meet him, to talk to him. He has a podcast that he puts out occasionally with his mom about movies called The Generation Splice. It's a great show. And you should follow him at his Twitter account in the show notes to find out about all of his stuff. Now, just because I want to do things independently does not mean that I would not like this, this very thing you are listening to, to be my full-time job. I would like that. So uh, the Patreon supporters make that possible. And I do believe get very awesome bonus audio for this episode. There's about... 20 minutes, half an hour of extra talk with Raphael about being in Carbondale where he spent a lot of time, uh, art and us just kind of like hanging out at the beginning of the episode. If you like those full conversations, become an afterhead at patreon.com slash Dave Marr for five bucks a month. And the Afterlife Movie Club and This Is Your After Show are new episodes coming soon. At the $15 a month level are The Pigeon patrons those pigeons get their names read well actually not read spoken from memory on every episode and they include shuba singh john lee devo debo debo okay shuba singh john lee debo Susie carroll katie llewellyn fred fedewa kurt chang those are the pigeon level patrons make that list harder for me to say by by joining also you can take a second to subscribe to the show in your app or rate it. You can take a minute to review it, or you can take an hour and recite your favorite episode to a friend. I'm an independent artist. I rely on word of mouth to grow, but no matter what, I appreciate you listening. So here is my conversation with Rafael Jose Martinez. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I So how do you, uh, in, in the interest of the challenge of the exercise mm-hmm. how do you define what you do as an artist as a creative person not that i think you need a box but perhaps describing how you think of yourself would just be interesting because you said because i was like oh yeah what what other stuff have you done you're like here's this instagram account here's the fucking <laughs> three bands Here's the podcast. Here's the maximum rock and roll archives. I'm like, this is, you know, 
as I'm sure it sounds like you're in the same boat where it's like some of my favorite people are like this, where it's like they they're these uncategorizable moving through different media people. But do you how do you how do you describe yourself creatively? It's that it's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately, especially when everything shut down. I was just kind of like stuck, you know, yeah, doing nothing because that's when I started picking up my photography again. Was when everything was on lockdown. I was like, I, you know, I'm lucky enough to have a car, so I was like, oh wow, I have like a little bubble that I can just like still go out, and if when I feel cooped up, I can just like walk from my car from my apartment to my car. And then just drive to wherever. And like, yeah. now is the time to like start doing photography because I can just do that by myself. Just totally. The camera. And I was just like, I, I can't do music. You know, I can record some stuff, but I can't really play out. I can't really like do a band. There's like so much other things that I'd been doing forever. And I was just like, I guess I'm like an artist. And I think it's like a, like a really visual weird, artist, just an artist. Okay. Period. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I think there's something like very like Americans don't like that. They like, I think there's a real pushback in our culture on anybody who defines themselves as an artist. Like, and I, I've always felt that. And I think there's a part of me that's just like the eternal punk inside of me that is just like, Oh, you're an artist. Go fuck yourself type of a thing. Like, sure, sure, Oh, you sure. think you're better than me, which I also think is like how everybody thinks of artists. Like they, there's this attitude. like, Oh, you're an artist. So you think you're better than me. You think you don't got to work. I'm like, I probably work harder and more than you do because like that shit ain't paying nothing. And like, well, I and my feeling about it is like, I think you're an artist too. You know what I mean? Like, no, I don't think I'm better than you. I th- like come yeah. join me outside the cave and defi- like, you don't have to limit yourself to calling yourself a comedian, man. Be an artist too. It's okay. You know, but yeah. And like, there is pretension. So like, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think people, because when they think of the term artist, they think of like Andy Warhol in a wig, smoking a cigarette, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, this effectively. Mm-hmm. Or just the douchiest kids. Personally, I fucking love. Sure. Totally. Totally. But I can also see why my fucking uncle, the HVAC union guys, like fuck that shit, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, like he, lo- you know, he he loves doing shit with his hands, and I'm just like, what's the difference? Like anything can be an art if you just like define it as such. It's you know only you are allowing these terms to like mean what other people want them to. I think so, yeah, you I just, just like, reminded me of your own piece in Maximum Rock and Roll about how your family has these artistic impulses, but doesn't um, consider themselves artists, but yeah. have these histories of craftsmanship and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And wanting to do stuff and just like, yeah. you know, my dad is the most unmusical person in the world, but he loves it. He loves it so much and he's tried and he's failed and he's just like, I'm just not good at that. Like that doesn't mean I don't have it in me. I just, you know, can't translate from my head out my pants, you know? And I think that's how I am with like some art that I've tried where I'm just like, that's not my medium. Like I cannot do that. And the punk in me is like, well, why not? Anybody can do it. But then like at a certain point, you're just like, no, well, that's not necessarily true. Sure. Totally. You know? 
And again, it goes to like anybody should feel that they can try to do anything and be happy with that they that they did it. And I think that there there's a, a sense of accomplishment that should not be tied to like the quality that you're doing. Like I think so many people feel that if they're not the best at something the first time that they do it, that they're not good at it. And oh, yeah. And I think that's just such a a failing of our just like hyper post Protestant capitalist Adam Smith type shit where Mm -hmm. it's just like, nah, man, like sometimes just doing it is like that, that is the transcendent moment The like you painting a bad painting, but you're enjoying it while you're doing it for those like two weeks. Like that's it. That's the art. That's what you're getting out of it. Not the final thing that you may or may not sell or give to somebody to hang, you know, on the wall or not. Right. The thing you got was like two beautiful weeks and like isn't how is that not worth it yeah paint your hell my hell would absolutely be just existing in this world (laughs) the way it is now but having some of my like like faculties removed like going blind or like losing my hearing because that is like so much of what my life is based off of, but also I think that there are few people in our culture that are more marginalized and kind of like genuinely despised on a like level that people don't acknowledge than uh, people with uh, like people that have like different abilities or like handicapped people. Mm-hmm. Like people don't like to talk about how it makes them uncomfortable to be around people like that. And I think that like, losing my eyesight to somebody that works in, in, in the medium of a visual art and losing my hearing as somebody who's been a musician since I was like literally 10 years old, like, and to still have to like, to still exist in this world and be aware of that would literally be my hell to just kind of have to like live without that and, and, uh, and have to deal with like people like treating you in a way that they Kind of like dehumanizes you in a way because I, I i just i i i've worked jobs with a lot of people with like rehabilitation stuff and it's just like wow i can't believe that people talk to you like this people act like this with you and so that to me would just be kind of i know it's not as uh existential as a lot of no, uh your no. responses is it so the the piece that I'm hung up on is the fact that it's still the current world as it exists. So the remaining three senses, you're getting information through yeah. those. So what is it about getting, about smelling, touching, and tasting this world that is more hellish to you than just being in like a a, a box where you don't have any stimuli? Because you you have you still have this idea of what you're missing out on, and in a way that I think if you were to be like you know yeah like I'm trapped in a fucking coffin I'm buried in a you know mm-hmm. like that's a different experience than being like okay like now you have to like how do you you have walked from your d- front door to the bus stop a million times and I've never once thought about it and now it's like a completely new thing. And now you have people 
treating you as a like it would completely recontextualize who you are as a human being not only in the world but to yourself and that to me is kind of like scary it's very scary the idea of like that kind of like not ego death but like a redefinition of like who you are to yourself in the world like who am i to my family who am I to my loved ones and my friends? Like, am, you know, am I now a burden? Am I now uh, a charity case? Am I now some sort of just like, like you know, like how, how would I, how would I, it's the only way I, I feel it would be like fully transformative with, you know, in a way that a lot of people talk about it spiritually. And I think it just like, yeah, if you got into a bad accident and I've been in bad accidents, uh, really, you know, not, nothing com- compared to like what you have got through. Sure, sure. Uh, but stuff where I'm just like, oh, I might, I may never play music again. And mm-hmm. like, I got into a really, really bad car accident uh, just outside of the Fireside Bowl um, coming from a punk show there back in like 2002 or 2003, got T-boned by a van that was going like 55, 60 miles an hour down Fullerton. It was mm-hmm. cr- like insane that nobody died like it's it's a miracle that nobody died but like i came out of it and there were just you know i i had to be in icu for three days four days and they were just like your wrist is like just like fucked and you may never be able to like you know write with your right hand again you may never be able to like play anything again and i'm just like oh wow what is what does that mean? Who am I then? You know? Totally. I guess the thing that's on that's fucking me up a little bit is thinking about disability justice and disability activists and stuff. Right. And like I'm imagining someone saying this about to be like, my hell is to go through the world with type one diabetes. <laughs> like, and and me, I'm like. Fuck you. Like, that's how I have to go through the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and because I don't think that there's, I think, you know, there's an obvious like sincerity and, and, and to what you're saying. But then there's also, there's also some privilege to it of like, this is oh, how some people do move through the world. And how do we navigate you talking about? the the this fear without saying if this is your situation you're in hell and damned but you know i I don't but i think all that is uh, i I, because i think that the the question of of what is your hell is such a personal question of course of course that that it is absolutely relative from person to person Mm -hmm. and i to, to me it's more of just the like who like who would i be is the the more the the bigger hang up like how would i renegotiate like it was hard enough to like renegotiate who i was uh after like i had to like stop drinking uh and like go to therapy mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff uh and really have like a like I, you know, I had just some I had bad shit happen to me. I did bad shit. I lost a lot of friends, and it was just like a, a big element of like 
that person is dead, is gone. And it was like, it took me a long time to just like, oh, fuck, what am I? Who am I? Like, why do I, like, how do I navigate this, this world? I still have to like go to work. I still have to like go get groceries. Uh, and so it, it is the idea, the more of the idea of like what, what happens when the, the, the person that you are is fundamentally changed in a way that is outside of your own actions. That's what- yeah. Because there's this societal reception piece. There's yeah. the fact that like a building is not, um, it, a bill the idea of a building is not inaccessible to someone in a wheelchair it's exactly made inaccessible by not including a ramp yeah uh, and so yeah so i see what you're saying and then there's also a piece of these are the things i've chosen to define who exactly. i am what what do i do without those things yeah and then on top of that like i you know one of my jobs for a, a long period of time when i was in college was working uh, with people with head trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I worked in a live-in, like a 24-hour live-in care facility, uh, helping people kind of like do rehabilitation, do uh, cognitive therapy, do uh, so uh, like social acclimation type stuff. Uh, and it's people from like people with car accidents, people that OD'd, people that literally like slipped and fell and hit their head in the fucking shower. Yeah. And it was scary to see how that changes a so changes someone in a way but also was just like how everybody like how awful our society is towards people that are differently able like how our society just does dislikes that dislikes having to deal with that having to think of like everybody is like literally like a patch of ice away from having their entire life their entire existence changing and i i think that in my personal opinion there that that fear uh is what kind of like pushes people away like people don't like to see homeless people because they're they they see that they may go down that route Mm -hmm. you know and they do not like seeing houseless people being out there because it reminds them of what they they have now that they may not have for whatever later on and it was just, you know, like one of my, like I had like some simple jobs of just like, Hey, we're going to go grocery shopping with, with you. And we're just going right. to help you. Like, how do we go grocery shopping again? You know? Mm-hmm. And just the amount of like, just not necessarily like vitriol, but like just the uncomfortableness and stuff like that. I'm just like, this is like, I would not like that, you know? And that would like, and I, and that's one of the reasons why like I like doing that job was like hey you know people need to fucking exist and they're just because you fucking hit your head playing football at 17 like why Mm -hmm. should people be treating you differently but the reality is people do and that scares me so what do you hope happens when you die I hope that I don't have to be embalmed on a physical level because I think that shit is a scam and is really bad for the ground and the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be like less glib about it, I I want m- 
people that I care about and that care about me to feel that they only have to be temporarily upset that they're going to be, you know, everybody is sad when people, people die because they're gone, but that I've done enough that I'm happy. I'm happy enough. Like if I were to get hit by a bus, I'm, I'm happy with what I've done, you know, as a, as a human, I, and, and, and all of it that I've done some awful shit and I've done some great shit, you know, and that there's both and that, yeah, be, be sad, but like, be okay. I'm okay. You know, I'm okay with it. Like I've, I've never been scared of, of death. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I, I was never one of those people like as a kid that had an existential crisis at a young age being like, Oh my God, I, I've always like, I think it comes from like being half raised by my, my grandparents where I was just always around like old people. And sometimes I would be like, Oh, what happened to so-and-so? And they're just like, Oh, they're dead. They're gone. You know, just like, Oh, okay you know like i guess that's what that's why we're not going to see so-and-so ever again okay and were there rituals that you grew up like were no no okay our 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 family has just never been very uh they've never been very sentimental when it comes to a lot of things for better for worse and i think that uh in some ways i kind of wish we were more sentimental about like that the 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 happier more positive things that come with like emotions and the and, and living but it the the flip side to that is like when it can't, comes to stuff like people dying or people getting hurt or things like that uh it's just been very matter of fact i just ask because i think sometimes when people grow up with grandparents there are like occasionally like cultural traditions or something yeah that, that are a little stronger than in other families. oh ab- absolutely and I, I we're definitely anomalous in that sense uh I, I think that has to do with both my parents being immigrants from like two different countries and just like being kind of both being somewhat separated from family and and whatnot that there we just never have had ritualized anything yeah um but it's been, I don't know, been kind of nice in the sense where I'm just like, okay. Like, I don't, like when my grandparents died, I, like my, I was on tour when my grandfather died, uh, one of my grandfathers and my parents were like, didn't really tell me right away because there's like, we didn't want to mess up your tour. Okay. But so there's, so it's not a lack, it's matter of fact, but it's not unemotional right right okay. there there is like it's 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 emotional but it's just like the, the realities like mm-hmm. your grandfather died and it's a very sad thing but like we still got it like we still got to go to work mm-hmm. we still got to do this like how can we balance all of that and i think that to me is like made everything you know i i had a spat a couple of years ago where within like 18 months I had like nine or 10 people that I was close to die all from like ran, like random stuff, like the most insane, like 
got sick and died, got shot and died, got killed in a house fire, stuff like, you know, just like random, random things, a suicide, like a bunch of random things. And it was just like, okay, let's go celebrate their lives because, and it, and it sounds maybe a little cold hearted, but like they're already dead. Yeah. So dwelling on that and what could have, been done to prevent their death is just you beating yourself up it is just you trying to put blame on something you know not necessarily someone but on something in the universe and this universe doesn't care and i think that the only thing you can do is like care about the people that you care about and their memories and if they're gone care about who they were and you know not do the thing where like everybody who died was a good person but you can be like yeah like they died and they did these awful things but they also did these other things and i think Mm -hmm. that that is what i want to happen when i die i want people to be like yeah like a pro i would love at my funeral to have like a pros and cons like list Mm. like (laughs) a chalkboard where everybody could write like everybody gets one pro and one con and it can go up and they're that that's my funeral. Like I want that to be something like that because I think nobody really does that kind of, you know, I, I've had some really great, so fucked up to say I've, I've been to some really great funerals, sure, no. uh, but I think that so many of them are, are based on like, you know, the idea of like the funerals are for the living, not for the dead. And I, I, fully respect that but if you're there because because of the persons you know that died like you know they you you need to celebrate what they actually did i went to oh, i went to one funeral and i walked into the like the i guess like the the wake before and they were just blasting the misfits like blasting it in the funeral parlor and i was just yeah. like this is cool like this dude, if he went to a funeral, it's one of his other friends' funerals, <laughs> and yeah. misfits were playing, he would have lost his shit. He would have yeah. loved that. The sure. idea that the misfits are playing, like, while well, there's a corpse being presented. He would have been like, this is a party, man. Right, uh, right. And, and so they did that for him. And I was just like, this is what it's supposed to be. And I love those, like, situational hilarity, like, the the the, the goofiness where I'm just like, I'm now sitting in a funeral parlor where all these people are openly weeping while Danzig is screaming about like eating skulls and shit. Like this is so surreal. This is amazing. This is like darkly fun. And I think that like, I don't know the, the, we've removed death from our lives so much, especially in this country that like fucking, it's a, everybody's dies. Everybody's going to die. Like just, yeah. Well, here's my thing with the pros and cons list. Cause I'm compelled by this idea. And I uh-huh. also have a problem with people getting sort of flattened in how their lives are celebrated. They're, they're mm-hmm. changed into someone different by, you know, not including the warts or not doing even like blasting the misfits. Isn't saying like, isn't talking about who the person was in a ethically or morally pros and cons way. Yeah. It's just giving the texture of 
here's a thing this person really liked. Yeah. Let's, let's, this funeral doesn't have to be anything other than what we want it to be. So let's make it this. In terms of the cons, though, I'm torn because, yeah, absolutely, we can recognize, like, I know a guy who this week is getting, no, very, very distantly through the, through comedy, um, who is having an assisted suicide because he has Mm -hmm. ALS, I think, and, um, and it's just, you know, wreaking havoc on him. And like me when i was eulogized there are aspects of this guy that are like prickly mm-hmm. and so it's it's very you know in talking with my closer friends about it it's like yeah this is this is you know there there are so many aspects of this thing that are hard to wrap your head around and overwhelming and and just brutal you know for anyone who's not like over 90 or 80 to die. You know what I mean? And so, but at the same time, you don't go to a funeral to hear the cons. You know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe no one talks about the cons because they don't want to remember the, they're like, well, the cons happened and, and let's, we don't need to uplift them, you know? So I'm torn. I no, I get that. I, I absolutely get that. I just think that like, you know, it's, it's the whole idea because I'm a very non-religious person because mm-hmm. I was raised Catholic, um, and you know almost every religion that believes in an afterlife has some sort of idea of having like your what you've done in your life being weighed, you know, mm-hmm. and where you go and so on and so forth. Right, and I just love the idea of like. Cause I don't think that's fucking real, you know, like, I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to have, you know, your heart weight against a feather type of a thing sure, happening. Sure. But I do think that when you die, you do have that happen in this world that we live in and that will happen to you. And I just think it's much more honest and could be a little fun to do it at, you know, a wake or a funeral or as you know, maybe not at the service itself, but like at the bar afterwards or something like that, because like that is going like that will happen to you five years after you're dead, after the the trauma, the, the, the initial shock and initial grief subsides, like people will be talking about all the fucked up shit those people did. I've depends said, on the you level. know, I, depends on the level of fucked up shit. Well, yeah, yeah. But but at the same time, it's like they'll just be like, yeah, like remember, like that guy was like a fucking awful roommate, you yes. know? Yeah, Which, yeah, and, yeah. And not saying like, oh yeah, well, he was really nice and he loved cats, but also he stabbed somebody, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Which also could be a pro, <laughs> depending, sure, on depending on who got stabbed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I just think that like something like that would be a. a I think a a really healthy way for people to really grieve, to like really be honest with themselves as to like how they really feel about this person. This is a lot of funeral planning. I'm wondering, it sounds like the answer is maybe just a succinct no, but it, but is there any 
after are there any afterlife thoughts that you have any any continuation I, of consciousness thoughts continuation of consciousness i don't i don't think in a like linear one-to-one way no but i really do believe that like continuation of consciousness exists in the people that remember you after you die that they will like if if you've been a genuinely like good person and or if not even that like if you've lived your life in any kind of like meaningful way you've influenced the way that people will like see the world will act and the way that they will go about their life will have an element of you in it and that to me is the continuation of consciousness that like if you if you can affect the outlook and the way people perceive things uh, in any kind of way, it doesn't have to be in a in a grand way or just like in a human. It could be in like the smallest humorous way. That is, I, I don't see any difference between that and the idea of like an afterlife where you exist as who you are, because uh, all you're doing in this world is interacting with other people. Like that is who. Like your existence depends on the way you interact with other people. And if other people are still acting a bit like you or have taken parts of your personality or parts of like who you are and continue on, then you are still alive. You are still there. Relive one memory. If you have to choose one memory to fill a room with in the afterlife that you can pop into whenever you want, but you only get one. What memory do you choose to relive? I love this question. And the first time I, I heard your podcast, I was like, that's a great question. It's a, uh, have you ever, I'm going to get a little tangential while I kind of like figure this out, but have you yeah. ever seen the movie afterlife? Dude, it's on my, uh, <laughs> it's on my shelf. I was going to ask you as a film nerd, if you had seen Afterlife, because I have been trying to figure out if I saw that movie before or after. It must have been before, but I don't remember consciously. Cho- like the this question came from me living an experience that I mm-hmm. thought of would be funny if that were my memory. So yeah. it came from the answer. It didn't come from watching Afterlife and going, right. oh, but it is, it's exactly the same. Yeah, it's 100% the same. I, I like it. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's great. But I, I I like the way you phrase it a little bit better because the idea of like fill a room, I think is like to kind of like exist within as opposed to the film Afterlife where for anybody who hasn't, seeing it it is about when you die you get to go through all your memories like in a videotape form mm-hmm. and you get to pick one and that is the one you can watch and remember again right and i i think that is that's cool but that is different than i think what you're asking which is like what would you want to be inside of mm-hmm. i think that mm-hmm. is those are two different things true you know true. like i would want to like if it was like the videotape one i'd be like oh probably that like one insane punk show i saw on a bridge in austin Mm -hmm. with like a generator that was just like the wildest most insane fun 
careless, reckless thing in the world. Like, I would love to just like watch that experience. Like, would I want to forever exist in that? No, right. not at all. That sounds awful. Totally. Uh, but I think to to exist in, I think there there's a moment, and it's like the dumbest, most inconsequential thing. But I was living in this punk house in Carbondale called the Lost Cross House that's been around for like, Jesus Christ, like 35 years or something like wow. that now. Um, and I was living there with my roommate, John, Johnny. And it was just like one of those like lazy days. It's like Carbondale where like nobody really has a real job. Everybody's just, you know, like broke but like mm-hmm. okay with it yeah and like you're scrounging you know it's like back when <laughs> this is back when there were still like returnable beer bottles and you could like go through wow. all the trash okay through the sure. neighborhood and like if you got like 36 of them you you could get like a six pack for free sure basically. sure totally um you know it was like that kind of level where we're just like we're counting pennies out of the couch to go get like you know a beer and some smokes and some chips or a hot dog or something like that and it's me and Johnny, and we're listening to records. We're listening to, to date it, we were listening to like a, the first David Cross record on Sub Pop. So this has got to be like 2004 or something like that. Sure, sure. And just enjoying each other's company. We're not talking. And he's reading some magazine or some book. I'm reading a magazine and some other book and out of nowhere, we haven't spoken in, in, in hours. He just goes, what's horticulture. And I just go plants. And he's like, thanks. And that was it. And it was just this, like, it sticks in like that moment has like lived in my brain for you know almost 20 years as like one of my favorite moments of my life because it was just like this atmosphere of like my friendship my relationship my like comfort just like this everything was like everything was kind of shitty in both of our lives but like for that moment like we were not just okay with it like it didn't matter and not in like that reckless punk rock like nihilist like no future Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nothing matters type of way but like we were just like vibing with each other we were content to be on this like wavelength in this like dirty sketchy fucking punk house with like nothing to do nowhere to go nobody to like really care about us besides each other i mean now you're quoting ramon's lyrics (laughs) yeah basically (laughs) basically right um but uh yeah, I don't know. I think that would be it. Like just that that thing of like of the atmosphere of being okay. Of just like being very okay with everything and not being worried that like you're actually in kind of a shit situation right now. You know, you're actually kind of in, you know, down like bottom rung of society, down and out, but like you don't have to feel that way all the time and like thinking about that like when i when shit goes wrong i'm just like man 
Johnny asked me what horticulture was that one time. And like <laughs> an hour later, we just, like, we were just like laughing our asses off about it because it was okay. like, this is, was there any, were you drunk or high at all? Not, no, not really. Like, really? We There's, that sounds like a very stoned moment to me. No, we were fucking broke, man. We couldn't afford it. Right, like, right, 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 right. Okay. It was like one, like one of those things where we were like waiting for like the bars to open so we could go and like get drinks off of our friends type of thing. Sure, sure. Like, like we were hoping somebody would come by with like a bag of weed being like you guys want to watch the simpsons like like we we're just like <laughs> yeah. you know but like had nothing and it was it wasn't a, a moment like that he was just like reading a book or whatever came across a word that he wasn't sure the definition of <laughs> was like i bet you this dork knows it you know and i was just like yeah plants and he's just like oh yeah, yeah okay well this, this might be the first answer to this question that has the structure of a joke like there's a setup <laughs> and a punchline to the memory and and it all and this punchline of what's horticulture plants almost exists as like it, i'm imagining the service being provided to you in the afterlife and this this what's horticulture moment happening whenever you just want to be done with the memory like you get to live in yeah. the 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 sort of nebulous uh spacey moment for as long as yeah. you want and then when you're ready to go out you're like well i'm gonna get this one last laugh from johnny here and then i'll uh be done maybe i'll see this memory tomorrow or next week yeah ab- absolutely like that, yeah. it was just you know it's a vibe man and i think that <laughs> totally yeah i because I, I you know I've listened to many of your episodes and like so many of them are like uh, about people are like bring up like specific like accomplishments or Mm -hmm. like specific like events in their lives or just like, Oh my God, like the the first time, like I felt like I made it doing what I was doing or this and that, which I, I, which is, yeah, I get that. But you know, I, I, to me, like I've had amazing moments like that in my life, but I, I, I'm more about like those. It's a, to me like that moment. I always go back to it because like it just reminds me of like that's what it's like to have like a really tight friendship. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's like when you can just be like two people sitting in a room, not talking, reading your shit, and like being able to interact without feeling the need to like force a conversation feel the need to ask, you know, things to fill space, to fill time and just be like, no, we're just like a couple of people on a couch. And and he's, you know, probably like 10 years older than I am. I would say. Okay. Seven. That's 10 more years he had to learn what horticulture was. Exactly. Which I thought (laughs) was kind of funny. Uh, But uh, you know, we always had a kind of like, big brother little brother type of relationship uh to an extent um and it just always felt very like you know slightly like chosen family type of a a vibe you know it's like yeah this is the kind of person that like i would choose to just like kill time with you know Mm -hmm. to just not even kill time but just like exist with he loved bringing that shit up he's just like i felt so fucking dumb (laughs) <laughs> I think he was reading High Times 
that may be me like wanting to like punch up this joke a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was something he was reading something silly, you know, something like really goofy. There is something really a lot of things funny, sad, surreal about reading high times sober. Yeah. Yeah. Being like, I wish I was stoned. Yeah. I wish I was stoned. <laughs> so what's horticulture get plants and he wants to be stoned so bad that he's thinking about starting a farm and getting into a whole side of science just to grow the weed he wants to be high in that moment but he needs yeah like, he's like i wish i had learned this like three months ago that's the show thanks for listening tell a friend who you think would love the show about the show follow and support Raphael by by following him at his his Twitter at City Celluloid where he posts about all of his stuff. So go to his stuff, go to his screenings, check out his work. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr for more from the This Is Your Afterlife audio universe. And until next week, remember you are a mist. You can do have faith. You are human, only human, and human beings, they do miracles.